0: Hello and welcome to Live and Learn on The Bigger Picture with me, Lim Suan. Ever since the 7th October attack by Hamas on Israel, the current conflict in Gaza has seen more than 10,000 Palestinians reported killed in the past 38 days of relentless Israeli bombardment in Gaza. Despite repeated calls for a ceasefire, or in some cases a humanitarian pause, the attacks in Gaza have not ceased and have even intensified, especially over the past weekend. So what is a ceasefire? fire and how might it help the current crisis in Gaza? To find out, I spoke to Malak Ben Slama Dabdoub, a lecturer in law at Royal Holloway University of London. Here's the first part of our conversation. Thank you so much for joining me today, Malak. You're welcome. Thank you for inviting me. Now we've been hearing repeated calls for a ceasefire and the use of that word in the past month um past more than a month now after the October 7 Hamas attack on Israel um which then led to a relentless assault by Israeli forces on Gaza for more than a month since that initial attack now people we've seen people take to the streets calling for a ceasefire we've seen humanitarian organizations international organizations um activists in countries Calling for it as well. Could you briefly um explain to our listeners why people are calling for a ceasefire and what exactly is a ceasefire?
1: Yes, so as you pointed out, many people are calling for a ceasefire. The UN has been calling for a ceasefire, the Pope, many political leaders. Um, people as well, for example, the the UK government is not calling for a ceasefire, but there have been a lot of marches and protests calling for a ceasefire. London made history, uh, last Saturday, more than 1 million people marched in London calling for a ceasefire. And the reason why they are calling for a ceasefire is because the humanitarian crisis in Gaza is awful, like we've never seen before. Um, Of course, there has been a lot of wars between Hamas and Israel in the past, but nothing like what we're seeing here. The death toll of 10,000 people um, has been uh, reached with uh, around 8,000 children and women killed by the Israel bombardment. And this um, restless and very violent attack that Israel has launched is because um, the 7th October attack by Hamas was something we've never seen before as well. Of course, Hamas used to launch rockets on Israel, but here they killed 1,400 Israelis and more than 200 hostages. This is something that Israel has never um, seen, has never experienced such a big threat to their security. Um, well, the result now is that um, civilians are paying the price and this is what people are calling for a ceasefire. In international law, a ceasefire means a total cess- cessation of military op- operation, of armed hostilities. Um, it's not like an armistice. There is a misconception about a ceasefire that ceasefire means peace. That doesn't mean The parties have reached total peace and agree on everything. That just means that military operations will cease. Usually a ceasefire is negotiated with the intervention of third parties. So the last war between Hamas and Israel, Egypt played a very important role as a mediator and the US as well. Um, So in this context, a ceasefire is very unlikely to be reached, to be negotiated without the intervention of of third parties. That could be the US, that could be Qatar, uh, Saudi Arabia, maybe Iran, uh, but the US will show as well. So this is what a ceasefire means. Literally, it means to cease firing. Uh, a complete suspect, suspicion of acts of violence by military and paramilitary forces. In that case, it would mean that um, Hamas will completely stop uh, launching rockets, but it would also mean that the U.S. stops bombarding Gaza, but also the south of Lebanon, um, also anything happening in the West Bank. So ceasefire is very general because it concerns all geographical locations, that are currently experiencing military operations. Um, so whether it's Gaza, the West Bank or uh, any um, other uh, territory. Um, yes, this is what ceasefire
0: is. Mm. So essentially, you see a complete stop from both sides, like you say, by Hamas and by Israel. Everything just comes to a stop. And you mentioned that it, it you, you mentioned the definition under international law. So that means that something like a ceasefire is enshrined under international humanitarian law?
1: Yes, of course, it is under in the, uh, uh, international law. The UN gives a definition of a ceasefire as well. Um, it is governed by the same principle as an armistice, but an armistice is more of a more permanent solution because the mm-hmm. parties really agreed for peace. Again, ceasefire can be temporary. I mean, the last war in 2021, Hamas and Israel agreed for a ceasefire, but then it broke again. Mm-hmm. Um, during the October 7th uh, um, attack. So again, Mm. it doesn't mean that parties agree with peace. That doesn't mean Israel will agree to stop appetite and colonization. That doesn't mean um, Hamas will completely give up on its military operation. But it just means that at the specific moment, the parties agree to cease hostilities. And the biggest argument that the UN is advancing for a ceasefire is the humanitarian situation, the catastrophic humanitarian situation that we are seeing in Gaza. I mean, the World Health Organization just said a couple of hours ago that the main hospital in Gaza City is no longer working. Um, Again, it's a situation, it's a dramatic situation that we've never seen before.
0: Mm. Why is it necessary for a third party negotiator to be involved in something like an a, in something like a ceasefire?
1: Well, it's because um both Israel and Hamas are quite strong in their positions. So this is why a third party is very necessary to come and, and kind of mediate a third party that will be more in the middle. We have never seen in the past any ceasefire that has been um successfully negotiated just between Hamas and Israel, and in general, just between Israel and Palestinian groups. So even like the Oslo Accords or any other peace accords that were meant to be more permanent, there will always be um, a third party involved, especially the US. That's not the case in every single conflict, but it's definitely the case in the Israel-Palestinian conflict. Mm. So the
0: primary focus is stopping of military operations. Is there anything else that can and can't
1: be done when a ceasefire is in place? Um. It, it depends on the terms of the ceasefire that will be negotiated. But the problem with the ceasefire is there is no guarantee that the parties will abide by it. Mm. So the last ceasefire that has been negotiated in 2021, in the beginning, both Hamas and Israel did not abide by it. And then... um. Eventually, they 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 came back to their um, senses. Um, but it's very important to know that ceasefire is a political solution, rather than a humanitarian one. Mm-hmm. Why do you say that it is a political solution? Because it requires that um, both parties politically agree on something, which is mm-hmm. the cessation of military operations. Because military operations and wars essentially are political. Uh, While humanitarian poses which is something that um, many parties have been advocating for, including Israel's allies like the US, is completely different. It's not political solution uh, or political process. It's a humanitarian one.
0: We'll go for a quick break, but we'll be right back for more from this conversation with Malak Bansalama Dabdub, lecturer-in-law at the Royal Holloway University of London, on what a ceasefire is and how it would help the current humanitarian crisis in Gaza. Keep it here on Live and Learn, BFM 89.9. Welcome back to Live and Learn with me, Lim Suan. You're listening to a conversation I had with Malak Benslama-Dabdub, lecturer-in-law at the Royal Holloway University of London, about what a ceasefire is, how it works and why people across the globe have been taking to the streets to call for a ceasefire between Israel and Hamas, especially after the relentless assault by Israeli forces in Gaza over the past 38 days. More than 10,000 Palestinians have been killed since October 7th, with more than 4,000 being killed and calls for a ceasefire have intensified over the weekend as we saw reports of hospitals being under siege as well. Now amidst these calls for a ceasefire, however, some governments, some political leaders have instead called for a humanitarian pause. How is that different from a ceasefire? Here's what Malat had to say.
1: So um, a humanitarian pause is temporary, okay, it's, it's it's defined for a specific period of time. So it could be a few hours or it could be one day. Um, it's also negotiated for a specific geographical location. Mm. So for example, in that case, this is why would um, concern all of the Gaza Strip, the South of Lebanon, the West Bank, while humanitarian pools, which um, the US and the UK have... Uh, um, advocated for will be, for example, a specific uh, geographic location in Gaza to allow people to flee. That a humanitarian pause basically, for example, include creating humanitarian corridors to let aid uh, in. Um, it will uh, include ev- ev- evacuation of the wounded and the sick, the passage of humanitarian relief. This is what a humanitarian pause would um, look like. Again, the U.S. has been pushing for humanitarian posts, saying we can't have a ceasefire um, because they think that a ceasefire would allow Hamas to regroup and rearm. So they are advocating instead for humanitarian posts. But it's very important to stress out that a humanitarian post is not an ideal solution. Okay, it doesn't Mm -hmm. offer a permanent solution to the people of Gaza. Um, and many, many have criticised the idea of a humanitarian pause. Like for example, the uh, leader of the Labour Party in the UK has come on the fire for uh, suggesting a humanitarian pause and many um, many people in the Labour Party have resigned um, as a result. Not everybody agrees with, the, with, with this decision because a humanitarian pause you are basically dealing with the people of Gaza, we will pause bombarding you, we will pause killing you, um, just to give you some food and water, and then we'll, we'll bombard you again. So it's a bit uh, controversial. However, a humanitarian pause, of course, is better than nothing. Mm. And the US has been pushing for it. Israel kind of agreed. Um, So, for example, the U.S. said on Thursday that Israel um, would agree to have daily four-hour pauses Mm -hmm. of military uh, operations in areas of northern uh, Gaza, supposedly to allow humanitarian aid to flow into the the Gaza Strip and to allow uh, civilians to flee away from the fighting. Now, is it going to be implemented? Is it going to be respected? Is it going to improve the humanitarian situation in Gaza? I don't know. I, I, I. To be honest, it might be a pessimist view, but I don't have much hope in that because if you look at what the UN or the World Health Organization is saying lately, is that the situation is not getting any better. Israel at the beginning of this military operation has made it clear that they wanted to inflict a siege on Gaza. And I am quoting the Israeli Ministry of Defence. And this is why they've got water, they've got food, they've got fuel. And this is the reason why as well, there is such a dreadful humanitarian crisis in Gaza, not just because they're being bombed, but because of the blockade that they are subject to. Um, So it it doesn't make any sense to subject Gaza to a blockade, to intense bombardment, to target hospitals, to target ambulances, to target UN schools and then say, oh, we'll pause the fighting for four hours to allow humanitarian aid. So again, it is promising that the Israel promised a humanitarian pause because it's better than nothing. But will Israel abide by it? I am not too sure. Because at the beginning of the war, they told the people of Gaza, move south Mm. to uh, escape the the fighting. And then they bombed people of Gaza that were moving south. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I, I don't have much hope on on this one. Mm. It's it's not just
0: controversial, it's quite contradictory, isn't it, Malak? To call it a humanitarian pause when you think of what the Israeli forces is still doing outside of that potential for our window.
1: Yes, exactly. And this is why it, it tends to be like a kind of a charity, but well, not a sensitive one um, The Israel has accepted only because the US kind of pressured them to have a better, you may just allow a humanitarian pause. But the truth is, if they really want it, this humanitarian crisis to cease. if they really wanted to save the people of Gaza, they would lift the siege, uh, they would negotiate a permanent ceasefire. I mean, it's in Israel's interest as well to negotiate a ceasefire so that the hostages can be brought back home. I don't think uh, this military operation, to be honest, benefits anyone. Um, but again, the, the biggest problem here is that Israel's allies won't put pressure on Israel to negotiate a ceasefire. The US refuses, the UK refuses, they are only pushing for humanitarian pause. And there was um, in the UN a vote for a ceasefire Mm -hmm. and the vast majority of countries in the world agreed for a ceasefire. But the only reason it it was not passed is because the US, which has a veto right, vetoed um, the resolution calling for a ceasefire.
0: Mm. To what extent could... The decision by significant allies like the US and the UK have on Israel's um, political will for a ceasefire? Because a lot of that conversation has centered around that as well. People are also pushing the US to say that they are going to lobby for a ceasefire. Why does the US have so much power on this?
1: Well, the US has so much power, first of all, because they have a right within the UN. They have so much power because it's um the biggest military empire, I would say um in the world, they're much stronger than even Russia and china. um and also the u s provides a lot of funding and financial support to israel. um so this is why Israel obviously is kind of following what the u s says. and so if the u s, which is very unlikely, but if the u s was to turn out and tell Israel, stop what you're doing, we will not politically support you at the end anymore, we will not give you funds anymore. Israel will have no choice but to abide by what the the US is saying. But the problem is that the US is giving uh, a carte blanche, a kind of uh, open Mm. season for Israel to bombard Gaza and continue its military operations. And as long as the US is doing that, then Israel will keep bombarding Gaza.
0: Hmm. Going back a bit to the humanitarian pause, we spoke earlier about how a ceasefire is enshrined in international law. Is Does the international law provide or say anything about what a pause is?
1: So international law doesn't, per se does not provide a clear definition of a humanitarian pause, but the UN does. Um, it's more of a modern concept compared to armistice or ceasefires, uh, but we've seen these being implemented in other contexts, such as, for example, for the Yemen war. Um humanitarian cause was a solution that was advocated in, as a way of um, pushing parties to abide by international law. So even wars have laws. Okay, wars are regulated in international law. For example, you cannot target hospitals or schools. Uh, you cannot use white phosphorus. And, it, and Amnesty International has shown evidence that Israel has used white phosphorus against the populations in, in Gaza. Um, but that also applies to all parties. Like for example, you cannot kill civilians in military operations. And also you can't take civilians hostage. Mm-hmm. So there are some um, accusations that Hamas as well is um, responsible of, of for crimes. So humanitarian pause would kind of be a temporary solution where humanitarian aid can be let in, so that parties do not violate international humanitarian law. At least, do not violate it a lot. But again, it remains to to be seen how this implementation is going to look like. Mm. You mentioned
0: earlier that it seems um, unrealistic that it that a ceasefire could be implemented at this point especially without a third party intervention um why is that the case at this moment
1: because um israel has strongly rejected the idea of a ceasefire i mean only a couple of hours ago netanyahu said no ceasefire will ever be allowed especially without the release of the hostages and again um, the Israeli government is not directly talking to Hamas. This is why we need like a mediation. Hamas has not uh, indicated any will to release the hostages. Um, in the past, Hamas has taken civilians uh, uh, hostages. Um, even military, p- people in the military, they have taken hostages in the past. But they will usually negotiate the re- their release in exchange of the release of Palestinian prisoners. Um, so, um, there are speculation that this is what Hamas is, is uh, looking at, but again, we need a third party that will try to make both of them meet halfway, because at the moment, they are both being stubborn and extreme on the position, especially Israel. Israel has made it clear that they really wanted to punish Hamas, um, that it was the one of the biggest threats to security that they ever um, had. It was a surprise operation. Israel was not expecting it. Um, One thousand four hundred people killed. That's the highest they've ever had, mm-hmm. and this is why they've been uh, trying to justify this uh, campaign of intense bombardment against Gaza. Mm.
0: Um, a couple more questions before I let you go, Malak. You know we've seen we've seen immense public pressure. Um, through the form of protests across the globe? I think it's at a at a scale that we've never seen before, not in recent years. What impact does public pressure have on the possibility of an enforced humanitarian pause or even a ceasefire down the line? Yes, of
1: course. Um unfortunately for the moment it doesn't have much impact, okay? Uh, like for example, in the UK, last Saturday made history with more than one thousand people in the street. But the government has crushed down these 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 peaceful protests. These protests that are calling for a ceasefire. The the former secretary of state who has been since then um uh, fired called these marches hate marches. Mm-hmm. Um, There has been pressure uh, among the Israeli society on the government of Netanyahu as well. There have been marches, there have been protests. But the reality is that so far the governments are not uh, listening at all. Um, And it does show you a difference between what the people think, what the people want, and what what, what the governments are uh, implementing. And unfortunately, the way the UN works and the way international works is powerful states will always get away with violations of international law. Israel is the country that has violated UN resolutions the most in modern history. And they've never been punished by it by the UN because the US protects Israel. While other countries, such as, for example, North Korea or um, Iraq, um, have violated UN resolutions and the the, the sections, the consequences where were quite um, a strict mean, era got invaded mm-hmm. by it.
0: Mm. It's quite clear, I think, how the, the rules have been applied. Um, what are your concerns, Malak, if a ceasefire or even a long-term solution continues to be delayed, considering the scale of the humanitarian crisis that is happening in Gaza?
1: Yes, I think it will only make things more extreme. Israel says that um, this war is different from the other worlds because they really want to eradicate Hamas. My concern is eradicating eradicating Hamas is not possible, and even if it was possible, let's say Israel completely destroyed Hamas and Hamas no longer exists, there will be another Palestinian uh, group that will uh, arise, because this is what happens when there is occupation and colonisation. Whenever there is colonisation, there is resistance to colonisation. Human beings inherently are born to resist oppression, to resist colonisation. We've seen it in the case of Malaysia, in Africa, in Asia. Countries that have been occupied, there has always been resistance to to colonisation. Colonisers try to erase that part of history, but there has always been resistance to colonisation. There has always been resistance to slavery, to oppression. Had there been no Israeli occupation and no Israeli apartheid, there would be no Hamas. Hamas only came after mm-hmm. Israel started uh, stealing land and oppressing Palestinians. At the beginning, Hamas was actually a kind of a peaceful coup. Um, and then it became extreme because of all the violations that Israel has inflicted upon Palestinians. So the problem with this intense military bombardment is that it's all... Only going to make uh, Palestinian um, extremist groups or Palestinian military groups more extreme, okay, mm-hmm. uh, wanting to have more vengeance. And it will also make the Israelis as well more extreme. So it, it's, it's when we're really not going towards the, the right direction. The solution for Israel is very simple to stop the uh, um, settlers in the West Bank, to stop. Provocation to stop Israeli occupation, Israeli apartheid. Hamas says that the reason why they launched the seventh of, uh, of October attack was because of an increase of, uh, um, violence in the West Bank, and also because Benjamin Netanyahu provoked Palestinians and provoked Muslims in general by going in the Al-Aqsa Mosque. Um, and doing what he did, which was highly disrespectful for one of the main uh, holy sites for Muslims. He provoked, he knew it was a provocation, Ayel Sharon as well used to do things like that. And then this is how uh, Hamas responded, At least this is how Hamas has tried to justify their attack. Nothing justifies what they've done, nothing justifies uh, killing civilians and taking Syrians hostages, of course. But we are not trying to justify terrorism. We're trying to identify why there is terrorism. And that kind of terrorism is resistance to colonisation. As long as there is colonisation, there will be resistance to colonisation. The point is not, oh, um, is resistance to colonisation legitimate if it's violent? The discussion is not whether Fatah is better than Hamas. the problem is Israeli colonization, you know? It's mm-hmm. when there was um, a, a segregation in America between people of color and white people, when there were toilets for people of color, Rosa Parks. There was a whole discussion around, is Malcolm X more legitimate than Martin Luther King? Is Martin Luther King better because he's not violent? But the problem is not Malcolm X or Martin Luther King. The problem was American segregation, discrimination against people of colour. It's the same in the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. The problem is not Hamas or Fatah. If Hamas or Fatah destroyed, other Palestinian groups will arise. The problem is Israeli colonization and occupation.
0: Mm. All right. Thank you so much for joining me today, Malak. Thank you, Sue. That was Malak Benslama Dabdub, lecturer-in-law at the Royal Holloway University of London, talking to me about the urgent need for a ceasefire now in Gaza, where more than 10,000 Palestinians have been killed since 7th October, as Israeli forces continue the siege against Gaza. If you missed any part of today's show or any previous Live and Learn episodes, you can download our podcasts on bfm.my or on the BFM app. I'm Lim Suen and this has been Live and Learn BFM 89.9.